0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com/be to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com/be. This B podcast network show is presented by IXL, loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers. IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. wow rebel educators this is the end of season two it's hard to believe we've done 60 episodes already talking to thought leaders students educators and sharing ideas for innovation and reimagining education. It's been such a wonderful season for the podcast. Although if you're anything like me, the school year was a little bit of a struggle. Two years of a pandemic has definitely worn on all of us. And I'm so excited to share these highlights talking about meaningful learning, ableism, how we can develop new frameworks, that continue to work in a changing world. One of my favorite episodes with Tony DeRose, we got really excited talking about all the things we could do with virtual learning and X in a box. And of course, vitality-centered education with Jenny Finn and the Springhouse Community School. It was an amazing season, and I hope that you enjoy these highlights.
1: we need to be making the full use of it because, you know, I see a lot of people with phones around. I have a phone myself. But making the most use of it and that you have stuff like Google or YouTube kind Academy. Of got me. You've got so many places where you could learn new things like Coursera, And we could just go on and on to how many platforms there are alone for independent learning. Like I'm preparing for my studies, and today's my first high school class. So I'm seeing that you can get so many things, but it's just about what you use this tech, this amazing thing for.
0: Yeah, we all have a computer in our pocket and there's so much that we can learn from it and use it for, aside from just taking photos, which is what mine gets used for a lot. (laughs) So you mentioned your first high school class. Can you share a little bit about kind of your educational journey and what school is like. I know most 14-year-olds I talk to aren't interviewing 500 people around the world. So how, (laughs) what are you doing in school and what does that look like?
1: Well, uh, the thing is, I I used to go to regular school for the longest time and I left last year, November, because I'm a very different person. And that made me a very different student from all two. I feel like with so many interviews, that I was doing and having you know these open conversations and these encounters with everybody you know just at networking events I feel like it really changed something in me and I wanted to question and I and I like to question I'm a very curious person so from the beginning I used to ask questions and I used to be shushed down and at a point I'm like why am I studying this okay I understand I'm actually good at algebra but why is the question will I ever use it like how does that work out? And they'd be like, We actually don't know. So how could you make me study a thing that you don't even know how i use? And then that stands of like, will I ever even use it? And then there's many other questions that I'd ask and then I'd just be this down and I feel like because I was different, I, I wanted answer to those questions and I wanted to be in such a educational community, school, whatever you like to call it, where you know when I ask a question Either they try to find an answer, they don't have one, right? If You're not even trying. So that's why I switched school. I was looking for like a nice school and then I found the Socratic experience by Michael Strong. And yeah, currently I have a full scholarship there and I'm starting. So, I mean, it's, it's very overwhelming. It's based in the US. But again, I live in Pakistan and I, you know, I'm not moving anytime soon. So... Again, one of the most amazing blessings we've had, technology and Zoom. I mean, I thank God for Zoom every day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we use it a lot more than we used to. And it's definitely nice to see you because this wouldn't have been possible not that long ago. Want to know one of my biggest frustrations with ed tech? Tools that assume every student learns the same way at the same pace. I need my technology to do more for me. That's why it's so important for me to know that IXL provides true personalized learning across the entire pre K to 12 curriculum and that it's proven benefit to all student populations, including English learners and students in special education programs. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non IXL schools. On state assessments and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies, IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? I'm sure you want to increase achievement for all students. Find out how IXL can help. Visit IXL.com/slash B for a demo. That's IXL.com slash B E. So you left regular school and you said you got shushed a lot for asking questions. Did you ever get an answer for? why you were learning those things, why school looked like that, why they taught the things they did?
2: Well,
1: I never really got an answer. And the interesting thing is I was able to almost start an initiative, though I feel like I left a little early for that. I used to ask, like, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Almost every class, because I question if I am going to memorize facts or if I'm actually going to put in my best, I should know why am I doing this and it shouldn't be a big deal to answer it. If you are certain as to what you are teaching will have an impact on my life and I will be able to utilize that to make impact on other people's. It's like if a school or whoever is designing the curriculum and the syllabus and everything is certain of that, I feel like they'd be able to answer that. But they weren't. And I used to access the teacher. The teacher would take it up with the, you know, headmistress and they just be like, I don't know, we never really got into it. And by the end of you know year seven all my classmates were asking the same question to the teacher they're like what well, hands, right why am I studying this because we had to memorize so many things that's how mainly the education system looks like here in Pakistan so that is how it was everybody was asking those questions and then you know we really couldn't do anything with that because we had no choice and I mean I'm really really think of one thing is to be sure that you're learning something good and then there's another thing to be sure that you're learning something that you will actually use, right? It's nice to know chemistry and all, but then will I be using it? And then there's other questions that teachers don't know the answer to. I remember there used to this one question that I used to answer and that was because everybody, as is the very cool sort of thing that was an Instagram trend, like uh, here in Pakistan if a teacher cannot teach all subjects, how do you expect a child to learn all subjects, right? And a simple answer to that is that only happens until grade eight for you to have a basic understanding of all subjects for then you to have explored all your options and then you can choose a major that be any major subject or a group of subjects for then you to build upon. but then you should have like a basic understanding of language and other things like math and science and had things that you might not even major in but you should know just because but the teacher teacher didn't have an answer to this you know I took it up I thought on it for a day and I'm like why it's a nice question and then I answered it oh thank god somebody knows yes that's the answer to it because teachers were put on pressure I wouldn't even blame them because you know they're given as part of their pre-made lesson plans to what to teach that day so they don't really decide and they can't really change. So what they can do is the way that they teach and the way that they should facilitate that learning of whatever concept or whatever subject. Because I feel like it makes an impact. I hated math for the longest time and now I'm the biggest math freak. The, this depends on the teacher and the teaching style and the way that they carry themselves, even professionally, makes an impact.
0: How do you work within the intersection of inclusion, diversity, and ableism? That's a huge question. So how do you define inclusion, diversity, and ableism to start with, and then look at you know how you play in that intersection?
3: Yeah, it does feel like I'm wearing a lot of different hats and juggling a lot of different things, carrying a lot of different balls in the air, as they say. So f- to answer your first question, defining ableism. So there's a textbook definition, and then there's a the way that I... Look at ableism myself as a black neurodiverse woman with an invisible disability. I look at ableism as the view that there's only one type of right body or only one type of right way of thinking or one right way of having a brain or seeing or being. And everything out of that so called norm has to be fixed. Like there's a medical model of looking at bodies, at looking at ways of thinking, ways of being, ways of processing, at limb differences, at movement, as opposed to dismantling that, the barriers that keep people with disabilities and people in the disability community from thriving and living their full lives and showing up in any space as their full sense. So to me, that, that's what ableism is compared to Dismantling ableism. So the way I intersect those things is educating, working with student teachers and working in classrooms to dismantle those barriers so that a child who processes information differently or a child who has a limb difference or a child who's deaf or has a a visual difference or who has An emotional difference can thrive because those barriers are removed. So the curriculum is designed differently from the beginning and every person, every human can access it. Or every activity, if a business is putting on an activity or if a community is putting on an activity can access it from the beginning. So it's a different way of looking at the world. It's like, How can we look at our world so that every human being can access it? Because we want to look at the world in a way that we see every person the way they are has value, as opposed to, well, this person needs to be fixed. Is there something about them that's not right? Which is an ableistic view. The disability community, we are the largest group in the world. If you put us all together in terms of gender, race, religion, sexual orientation, we are the largest community in the world, right? People with disabilities, visible, invisible. And it's growing because it includes babies and elderly. And a lot of people acquire disabilities as they age. So this is something that we have to face as a nation and really work to dismantle our ableism. It benefits the entire nation to have and to create universally designed everything.
4: You know, I only learned through difficult experiences and adversity that I was um, ADD at the age of 42. And, and once I sort of unpacked all that, so many things fell into place and it started to make sense about the way that I saw the world, the way that I engaged with the world, the pressure that I put myself under. And as soon as I backed off and I allowed myself to acknowledge and, and, and to honor those differences, you know, I found myself in a better space and I found myself able to perform far better.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So, so ideally, in terms of um, e squared, what I'd love to be able to do and what I'm advocating for is to give every child that opportunity to find that space, to give every child that, that opportunity to unpack their uniqueness, which is a difficult thing to do when it's overladen by a modern reality, which is just so pressurized and so intense. It would be lovely for us to allow these kids to be kids and to trial and to make mistakes in their quest to discover what it is that they want to do.
0: Yeah, so much of what you just said is the reasons we opened a school. (laughs) And you talked about, you know, teacher agency and building social capital and It's one of the things that I really believe strongly in is giving teachers as much agency as we can. They're professionals. And when we look at countries that really revere teachers, it's a highly educated job. It's a highly professional job. There's a lot of hands on, you know, in the real world classroom training to really master the art of teaching because the the best educators can do that for kids and can connect with them, and can draw out their strengths, and can build that relationship, and can help them to understand themselves better.
4: It's a real craft. It's a nebulous uh, skill. It's very hard to pinpoint. But you know a great educator when you're talking to them, when, when you see them in action. And what we've tried to do over time is we've tried to compartmentalize those skills, and we've tried to label those skills. And I can understand why we need to do that. But I don't know if that's the end game. Do you know what I mean? I I don't know if that has to be the focus. One of the things that recently came out in Australia post-COVID was there was a large survey of Australian teachers. And the outcome of that survey was quite alarming in terms of their enjoyment of their profession, their capacity to to actualize their expertise. Mm -hmm. I remember one of the things that I I learned back in uh, teacher training college was um on balance judgment, our capacity for our professional application of our expertise is being eroded by this overburdensome compliance regime, which again, we can all understand the need for it. We can all understand what's driving it, but that doesn't mean that we have to completely abdicate our professional capacity for our on balance judgment. When you go see your GP, your GP Doesn't have the answer for you immediately. You know your GP is dealing with the human body in all its complexity, and so the medical professional has to gradually, you know, navigate that and 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 unpack a few things, and before they usually, hopefully, reach the right answer. And we accept that. We don't expect more from our GPs. So why is it that we expect our teachers to get it right every single time, first time? Why can't our teachers be? imperfect in all the beauty that that might be because if we allow them to be that then surely that adds value to the learning experience uh, because they will grow and the person that they're you know mentoring or, or working with will be able to grow as well and that's one of the things I loved about working in schools was I found that I grew every year every day I grew just as much as the kids did um, because I always learned something from them about myself and about the world And I don't think there's many jobs that allow you to indulge yourself in that realization.
0: So you talked about, you know, working with the projects and how the real world is really multidisciplinary and bringing in multidisciplinary facets to the things that you're creating and working with active learners, getting them doing things. And really starting with the end in mind, like what can they create with this and what pieces do they need to get them there through this active learning process, which is a lot of what we talk about in progressive education and with project-based learning and a lot of the education chatter right now around reimagining education and what that looks like. So what are your vision and goals for working with education or where do you see education going?
2: The direction I'd like to see education go is the direction that Everybody else we've talked to that really thinks deeply about this question. everybody comes to the same answer <laughs> It should be experiential it should be child driven it should be open ended it should be collaborative. There's very little disagreement about what the answer is. The question is really how do we get there in a really large scale way and so at x in the box, that's constantly what we're asking ourselves is how can we accelerate this movement toward really authentic, you know, experiential learning. So one thing that we're doing now is, well, in the past, what I've talked about is really the work that we've done to create a bunch of free resources, open to anybody, you know, really designed for individuals or small groups, kind of working at their own pace, you know, no deadlines, no expectations. We've just completed a first pilot and we're about to launch into a second pilot program with pixar to create a community experience on top of those resources and so we ran an eight week online workshop that started in october and wrapped in december around the art of storytelling we walked students through the story development process as practiced at pixar so students come in knowing nothing in week one and by week eight they've developed a story reel which is a crude video form of an original story that they created in a small team so each week has a regular rhythm every friday there's a deadline there's a deliverable that's expected on mondays we have a live session that features one or several pixar artists that are expert in whatever the topic for that week is so in week one we talk about what if statements what if toys came to life when humans left the room What if there was an overprotected fish whose son ran away from home? And that's really the starting point for many of the Pixar stories. So on Mondays, we have the, the live streams with the Pixar artists. There's opportunity for students to ask questions of the artists. And the students work in teams of typically two to four students, each team, independently during the week. They upload their deliverable on Friday. Then on Monday, after we moderate everything, they're expected to provide feedback to at least six other teams, so everybody's giving and receiving feedback through this whole process there's a regular rhythm and the whole process culminates with a basically an online film festival where students uh, where student teams can you know feature their work and the stories are are just wonderful most of the students worked in the context of a classroom and so they had a Facilitator, which is typically a teacher that would sort of help guide them through this process. But really, most of the learning happened in the live stream and then a lot of the content that we repurposed from Pixar in a Box to deepen the, the learning of the relevant concepts each week. One of the things we heard from students is how motivating it was to know that when they uploaded their work on Friday, teams from all over the country are going to be looking at their work and commenting. And so, It's like the real world, right? You put your work out there, you get feedback, you adapt and iterate. And, you know, the ideas just got better and better and more proficient in a variety of directions through the program.
5: So the vision of Springhouse is to build regenerative culture. And what does that mean? It means life giving culture. It means a culture that orients around protecting, taking care of and utilizing vitality in life in the ways that take care of it. Um That's really what it is. So it's maintaining vitality within each person, between people and with the earth. And how do we do that? Well, we design and activate, we create education that brings us alive. And unfortunately, I think at large, that's not at the center of what we call education and hasn't been, you know, in the ways that we educate now, which is centuries, um, we've been doing it this way it orients around something entirely different. Most of us know that, I think. We know what the problems are because we're seeing the symptoms. So really what Springhouse does is it shifts the entire orientation of the design. It puts something like life, like vitality, like ultimately what's ineffable that we can't can't really describe, but we know it. We can feel it and experience it. We're putting that at the center of the design and that starts with all of the adults. Because to us, education is not just like a noun in, in a box. It's a verb. It's active. It's an intergenerational community that um, it's really where we decide what we think is most important, what values, ways of being, knowledge, skills are most important to pass down to our young people. To say this just as simply as I can, I'm alarmed at education at large and what it thinks is important in handing down to our young people. So I think we have to be brave. We have to be courageous. If we want a radically different world, education is the pathway by which we create culture. It just is. And we can create a culture that puts us to sleep and continues and perpetuates an unsustainable life, or we can leverage, let's say, education as a pathway to wake us up and connect us to this gift of life.
0: Rebel Educators, thank you for listening to season 2. We've had over 5,000 downloads of our podcast since we launched, and it's thanks to all of you and your continued listening. If you're enjoying Rebel Educator, please be sure to leave us a rating and review so that others can find us too. If there are things that you want to hear us talk about or people that you think that we should meet, please fill out our information form so that we can get in touch. Thank you so much and keep challenging the status quo. There are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.